This is the last week in bike, but it isn't really a week in bike at all. I mean, it doesn't cover cycling, and then again it covers exclusively cycling. It's sort of a goodbye to my fans, but it's also for everyone except my fans, because most of you probably already know what I'm gonna say. But mostly I just wanted to finish this up on a nice round number. <laughs> So, you're a TV broadcaster, and you've got a guy, actually two guys, who are there to talk about the races. This means you have to have a studio, plus hair, makeup, audio, lights, then you've got someone doing graphics and someone editing it all, yada yada yada. It's a lot of people, and they all have to get paid. And while all of these professionals are immeasurably better at what they do than I am, they all live in this tiny little bubble of that one thing that they're good at, and there doesn't seem to be anybody in charge of, like, making sure the overall product is well done. And this is important because no one's gonna go to Facebook and be like, dude, you have to see the sound balancing on this new video. Hear the sound balance. You get what I'm saying. Look at these highlights from Volta a Catalunya stage two, where the live broadcast from Spain was interrupted. And instead of a highlight video, you ended up with two guys in a room talking and then bike racing with no commentary over it. And it was really fucking expensive. In fact, I've heard many broadcasters talk about the resources they don't have and how the audience doesn't appreciate how much work goes into their videos, but at the same time, shouldn't that be telling them something? I'm not saying how the race was won is easy to make, but it does get done with only one of me. And yeah, I am conflating live coverage and highlight videos, but for the US market, the recaps are huge. That Catalonia stage came on Tuesday morning, not exactly prime time, but if you can turn that into a video anyone can watch on a coffee break that shows you can create a fun visual experience and that creates a story people want to keep in touch with, that's a massive step towards selling a viewer on Saturday or Sunday's coverage which would be important if you actually sold coverage to people. And while it's cool that InCycle, IMG, Velon, whatever, want to improve things, they're sort of falling into a separate trap. Ooh, on by cameras, here's a new thing. It's awesome because obviously. And don't get me wrong, it does produce an awesome new viewpoint, but you still gotta add value, you know, create a meaningful narrative. And you don't have to take my word for it, just ask Sporza's Renat Schott. Anyway, this long-term disregard for the quality of cycling's broadcast coverage has been devastating, even inside cycling. Cycle boredom. I no longer have any fucks, that's F-U-X, to give about pro cycling. WTF kits. Considering I could give two poops about pro racing. Andrew Bernstein, what of brands 35 under 35? Quote, I only have the patience for about five minutes of pro coverage in any given week. Then there was that whole beer thing at Cross Vegas last year. And outside cycling, have you seen anything that isn't doping coverage? I sincerely doubt Manual for Speed, quote, showing the world how awesome cycling is by trivializing one of its biggest one-day races in Vice is going to do much to counteract that. In fact, even nominally pro-cycling-specific publications like Cycling News and Velo News do very little innovation to increase the appeal of the sport. Sure, they'll post op-eds about how cycling coverage needs to change, but smaller, innovative voices are rarely broadcast to their wider readership. I mean, they were scooped by the New York Times in reporting the footwork cycling's God, I hate this word, but Twitterati did to help expose Lance Armstrong. A huge part of how modern media organizations work is by exposing other people's new stuff to a large audience. All the Gawker publications, BuzzFeed, heck, even The Atlantic does it, and they don't even have a buyer's guide. But yes, my bad, I'm supposed to be talking about cycling video coverage. It's probably a self-call, but I like to think I'm pretty good at this. And if that's true, not only is being good at making cycling videos not how you get a job producing broadcast coverage, it's not how you get a job making cycling videos. At any rate, let's pretend there's a broadcaster out there with money to 
to pay me? Would it be worth working in an environment that thinks it's okay to broadcast live Paris-Roubaix coverage some 12k behind the actual race? Or make whatever the hell Bike NATO 2 was supposed to be? No, I'd need not just a job, but actual authority, something which I think involves swilling more Comcast Kool-Aid than I can reasonably stomach. Plus, as the Invisible Hand has reminded me, I have marketable skills in a sector where A, the ability to make good shit actually matters, and B, people get paid. So even though this is the last episode, I'm not quitting, per se, just responding to market pressure. I'll still make videos, how the race was won for Roubaix, probably Liège, they'll just be done less promptly. And there'll probably be other videos too, just less frequently, because I like things like riding my bike, and spending time with my fiancé, and not almost getting fired from my job because I'm a sleep-deprived zombie who can barely walk. Although compared to some existing broadcasters, I guess that'd still probably be an improvement. So, I'm Cosmo Catalano, and...